Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the 281st episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. And it is time. Now our rewatch begins. It is Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast coming at you for the first time ever. We've uh, long history of this podcast with Game of Thrones. Our, we, we did a two episode premiere the day we released our first podcasts. And one of those was a deep dive into Game of Thrones. It was the week after the series had ended. So this is a long time coming for this podcast. It's been over three years since the show ended. Let's just fucking do it. Let's just fucking do it. Coming off of House of the Dragon, it's time. I'm Colton Robertson. I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here, and it's it's fitting. Uh, 281 for the episode number. It is a prime number. Um, it jumped out at me. I knew something was going on. It just makes sense God. for the start of these things. Of this these episode, things just so. happen. They just mm-hmm. happen. But today we are covering the first episode of the first season of Game of Thrones titled Winter is Coming, released on April 17th, 2011, uh, written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, D&D, and directed by Tim Van Patten. And uh, Tim Van Patten, he's done a great deal of work for HBO, uh, specifically uh, a name, a, a place you might have seen that name in credits is The Sopranos, directed. He's directed many a Sopranos episode. So uh, Tim Van Patten, well-versed in the HBO world, and frankly, he kicked off this show with a bang. This was a, you know, this is a rewatch podcast, which means we... We'll talk about it in the context of knowing the entire series is kind of how I'm I'm planning on doing it, mm-hmm. making connections to anywhere throughout the series as we go. So, no, unfortunately, we are going to alienate those who have not watched it. I think if it like that's kind of how I was going into it, if that's how if, if you're down for that. Yeah, no, I think. There's no way that I won't be able to just be like, oh, look at this amazing through line from season one, episode one until season seven. You know, like something that is legitimate. Like, I don't right, know, there are right, legitimate yeah, like through I, lines. Like if something happens like that. We got to point it out. So yeah. if this is a first watch for you through Game of Thrones, sorry and shit. This is not the pod for you. This is a this is a rewatch podcast. So. I just wanted to give you give you some warning. Every episode, there will be spoilers probably for episodes later down the line. We'll be doing it in sort of a scene-by-scene scene format, but instead of straight up how it was portrayed on screen, we're going to take it by location. 
We're going to start uh, beyond the wall where this episode starts. We're going to head to Pentos where we got Daenerys. After that, we'll head to King's Landing and following that to Winterfell. Uh, so are, are you ready to kind of dive in or, or you know what? Let me ask. Since this is a rewatch podcast, do you recall the first time you watched this episode of television? Ooh, man, when that would have been. Let's see. I think I got into Game of Thrones whenever season, it was whenever either season four or five was out. Because I believe season six was the first that I watched live week to week. Mm. It was either season six or season five that that started. Um, so this would have been, I, my best guess is when season five was out. Um, let's see. So when did season six? Season six but, premiered April 24th, 2016. 16. Okay. So yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. So 16 years old about, I guess, or 15 even maybe possibly for season five, uh, whenever I'm watching Game of Thrones for the first time and. And uh, I don't know, I, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember like who got me into it or maybe what got me to start it. I don't really remember that exactly. I don't know. Um, I uh, I can't assuredly tell you. I had a couple influences on me um, and I didn't watch it. I caught up between season six and seven. Um, I had two knee surgeries between season six and seven. Prime television viewing time. That'll do um, it. That will do it, but Trenton Moore showed me the first episode of the show mm. um, back in the day. And that's not really the first interactions I had with it because I, believe it or not, the first thing I remember watching uh, was when it was on TV, my dad was watching it. And it Dang. was back May 31st, 2015, The Battle of Hard Home shit i watched i watched a part of that episode with my dad watched john snow be an absolute badass watched the night king raise the dead there and went okay yeah one day i'm gonna watch this show uh i got i gotta see what's going on here so trenton showed me the first episode and i was hooked from there and then uh not only was this prime tv watching time due to the knee surgeries but i was going to physical therapy and because I'd started physical therapy and I had a physical therapist who was like one-on-one, -on -one. he had me for an hour. I was like, we got to find some shit to talk about. I go, have you watched Game of Thrones? Mm. And he goes, oh, buddy, <laughs> do I watch Game of Thrones? And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So I was like, uh, so I, I worked my way through Game of Thrones throughout physical therapy. That's sick. And had someone to bounce off of my thoughts and stuff. So caught up with season, caught up before season seven. And, uh, it was just a wonderful time. I got, got a soft spot in my heart for that, uh, for that physical therapist. Uh, quite the guy, mm -hmm. quite the man. But, uh, uh, dude, yeah, I remember watching this first episode and going, yeah, well, now I'm going to watch all the rest of these episodes. Um, so what, uh, what run is this for you? Like, how many times have you watched the show in total? All right, so I re I watched it in anticipation of seven, watched seven as it came out, rewatched it between seven and eight, rewatched it a year after eight, rewatched it a year after that with Emily. So this I think this is fully past three, but I I caught up before season seven, mm -hmm. caught up before 
before season eight. So it's kind of like fourth full watch of the series, I think is where I'm at. Okay. Yeah, I think after season eight, I don't think I've touched the show. I think I might have started, but I don't think like I I might have gotten an episode or two in. Like, oh, then so yeah, dude, it's, you're 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 prime candidacy for a rewatch. I know, yeah, I know. like I I need it. Honestly. I'm on a I'm on a yeah. yearly basis right now of rewatching Game of Thrones. I just can't I just can't put it down for for too long of a period of time. Like there comes a point every year where I'm like, must be time to watch Game of Thrones. You know, like a. But, it's probably gonna happen again. Like I, I guarantee that now that I'm watching it again, I'm gonna realize how good it is, oh. and then I'm gonna be like, "Fuck! Why haven't I been?" Watching well, and it'll this? be it'll be exciting for like I'm ex- I'm especially excited to see how you feel about it on a rewatch because obviously, post season eight, the people the people in general mm. terribly unhappy with the ending of this show. I have since are. the show ended, rewatched it twice. And we've talked about this a few times. Yes, it's it's terribly fast. It it definitely has the notes of yep, we're getting the fuck out of here. Um but the actual events that unfold are not not so far out of left field. So and and rewatching with the scope of like Bran in this episode. Did you not already have a better time watching Bran? Oh, dude, hundred percent. Like I'm, I am dissecting this like mm. rewatch, like at, like almost everything. Like I've I've noticed so many. Like I don't know if they're on purpose. I have no idea, uh, but I'd assume some of these things are on purpose. They know where where some of the big things are headed. You know oh, already. Sure. Um. But there, there's already so many little things that I'm just like, oh my god! Like the show is just so beautiful, knowing what happens. Like mm. it, things that would be to a new viewer would have zero clue or any inclination nope. whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. Um, but to a, I don't know, to someone who has watched the entire show, something that is not, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but just like it's very. I don't know the shadowy almost. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like heartwarming moment. It's not like oh no, yeah, but it's like just more of like comparably, like compared to where the rest of the show goes. Like in this episode, the, the some of the characters we watch interact in episode one never interact again. Like episodes oh. one and two. Like these, the very early, early couple episodes of the show. It's kind of, it's kind of it for this group of people being all in the same place. We don't get them together ever again, Um, which is heartbreaking, but it's, uh, it makes for some pretty incredible television. So what do you say we begin? Winter is coming. The first episode of winter is blooming. I would say winter is blooming. So we begin beyond the wall where we've got uh, a few rangers of the Night's Watch, three of them to be exact, Sir Waymer Royce, a Royce of note. You know, recently we finished House of the Dragon. Uh, Damon was married to a Royce um, before he smashed her head with a rock. Um, Aww. 
Damn. Yeah, she was cool. Rhea Royce. Um, Damn. But we've also got a guy named Will and a guy named Jared. And uh, they're they're going beyond the wall to investigate reports of wildlings in the uh, in the forest, which lies to the north beyond the wall. But uh, Will, the best scout in the group, discovers a number of wildling corpses dismembered and arranged in a strange and semi ritualistic fashion on the ground. And he also finds a dead wildling girl pinned to a tree, and this marks the beginning of what would become many unanswered questions. Um, Still unanswered, really? Yes. Some? Yeah, we, we do not. Yeah, like, that's what, that's what I mean. Like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, like I didn't it, know. No, yeah, like, in general, we never really figure out why they do the things they do. Um, They're just it. creepy white walkers. And yeah, man. Magic. That's all it is. Magical. You know, it's more creepy. If, like, uh, you know, I guess I was thinking about it, um, like the spiral pattern and stuff, and I'm like, well, what what would I rather see? Would I rather see a bunch of dismembered body parts in a cool, really weird shape, or a bu- or just like a really f- a field of dead bodies, you know, just everywhere? And it's like, right. I think the the meticulous shape, you know, the the time that they took to place body parts like in. Mess- uh, shape. It's almost even more creepy, you know, yeah. than just demolish or whatever. It implies to us it's not mindless. They yeah. do this and then they go, <laughs> check this shit out. And they you know, like, like this yeah. shit. Yeah, they they're they're like, this is their their fun. This is art. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so like I that's one thing I'm excited for on the rewatch is kind of watching the evolution of White Walkers too, because one of my favorite things about starting a show is watching it find its style and find the way things work um because you know uh, the wild the, the the white walkers they change a little bit over the course of the series like the noises that this that this white walker makes here at the beginning are more growly whereas later they're like they do like the predator ass mm. they got like the clicks going on and shit um, when's the next time that the white walkers like really start to well, I know Come the Night the King show. doesn't fuck around and show up until, like, a, a few seasons down the line. Like, four or five, I feel like. Um, and I, I can't some... remember exactly. Damn, man. I mean, I guess it's, like, this is really the the only thing north-north of the wall. Until season two. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess they knew they were, like, well, we have to give some threat. And we, we won't deal with them for a while, so fuck it. Well, and something I'm also going to be doing alongside this rewatch is I'm going to be listening to the audiobook of, of the Game of Thrones up to this point. You know, I, I declared that I would never read the books if until <laughs> uh, George R. R. Martin would finish them as recent as two weeks. Um, but then I went, I can't stop thinking about this rewatch we're about to do. I got to go ahead and get a jump start on it. I'm going to go ahead and listen to some Game of Thrones. And this is pretty honorably, like, it was cool, like, having watched this first, then reading the book and coming back and rewatching it. It's kind of a new perspective of just like, oh, this is truly an adaptation. Like, this first episode is, like, so thoroughly derived from the book there's not a lot of liberties taken you know like the prologue of the book 
is this little mission beyond the wall. Now, obviously, this takes about seven, eight minutes beyond the wall, uh, whereas that probably was just pages and pages and pages of book, uh, mm-hmm. given, given who George R. R. Martin is. He loves to give you detail. Oh, he do indeed. But, uh, yeah, Will finds this, uh, Will finds this array and he heads back in a panic to Sir Waymar and, uh, he's like, all right, well, we're not going to return to Castle Black. We got to be able to tell them how the wildlings died. Let's not fuck around like this. All right. We got, we got shit to do. Let's get to it. This Matt Damon ripoff. Thank right God, thank you for saying it. Oh my God, I was about to say it. I literally was trying to find a way to throw in off-brand Matt Damon somewhere in here. Um, he is it's, Walmart Matt Damon. Yeah, that's all I could think. Um, every time I watch this, every time, every single time, um, every without fail. Time. And if you, uh, if you probably haven't watched Ted Lasso, but this dude, uh, this dude Will, the guy who gets killed by Ned here in a little bit. He plays like one of the fans of the team Ted Lasso coaches, and like he's like there at the pub all the time, like woo. And then uh, he's also actually in the Batman. He's the one who uh, Batman beats down at the end, and he goes, "I'm vengeance." Really, that's he's the guy. one. Yeah, that's him. Okay, I that's not where I thought I recognized him from. I don't, I don't. I thought I recognized him from somewhere else, though. Um, I mean, he's been in shit. Like he's been in a lot of stuff. What's and, his uh, name? Do you oh, know his real life you. name? What's um, the the here. character's name? The character's name is Will. Just Will. Um, That's yes, all. We- and he is played by Bronson Webb. Okay. Bronson hmm. Webb. Yeah, I don't know what I thought. I reckon maybe it's just this episode. No, yeah, Harry Potter. He's he's in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Gotcha. He's a Slytherin gotcha. boy. I guess maybe that's where I'm. That's a Slytherin boy. That's all. Um, that's all that he's credited as. <laughs> Rogue well, One. Yeah, dude. These these dudes would be like this guy pops up everywhere. This man's in a lot of shit. Okay. Uh, in extremely minor roles. It's hilarious. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go they go on to investigate to see the corpses. But when they reach the site, the bodies have disappeared. Looks like your dead men have gotten up and walked away. And Will's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh fuck, oh shit. He's the only one who can really know that these these dudes were like for sure dead, and now they are like for sure not there. Um, that's got to be horrifying. So, uh, in a matter of minutes, mm. and uh, so Will goes on, scouts around for some clues, but Jared finds uh, some some bloody. I can't tell if these are clothes or innards of some sort. Uh, either way, it's not looking good for him. Not a good and, sign. Yeah, and any any further investigation is halted when a uh, tall, blue-eyed figure rises behind Sir Waymar and cuts his head off. Bye-bye. In the distance, Will hears the screams, he runs, and eventually finds himself in abject horror when he sees the very wildling girl he saw pinned against the tree, now with blue eyes, standing there. And then he turns to see 
a white walker, cut Jared's head off. Tosses the severed head at his feet. And uh and again, <clears throat> interesting interesting methodology here. Is this a tell them we're coming? Is this a like uh just so like they, they clearly have thought. So interesting that they're just like, Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. You go ahead. You little scaredy pitch. So they've heard reports of White Walkers though. Like the wall, right before this. Yeah. Or is so they've heard So that's the thing though. Is that like it whenever someone like are people at the wall even non-believers in White Walkers too at this time? Like they're like th- that's so fantasy, or are they like, well, it could actually be. We get a little bit more with uh, Benjamin later on uh, when he's talking to Ned, and he's like, uh, he was a good ranger, like one of he was a true ranger. Uh, and Ned's like he was talking nonsense, and Benjamin was like, maybe man, direwolf south of the wall reports right, of White Walkers. You're right. Okay. So like it's like I think the guys at the wall are probably a little bit more inclined to buy it, but I think they are still like yeah, it's a that's a reach, you know, like we we would probably see them all the time if uh, if they were really going to be if they were really a problem instead of like these sparse reports where he's like the two men he was with are still missing. He's like, I don't know. They definitely saw something out there. And, you know, Ned rationalizes it later on. Wildling ambush. It's nothing. Um, but, man, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because if only there'd been a Targaryen on the throne, homie. Maybe. Literally maybe the day. Like, it seems that the day that the last Targaryen that was on the throne... The day that they died. They started moving. Boom. Boom. Like, it, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. That, like, the they wait until there a isn't a Targaryen. Literally. Okay. Yeah. Like, winter started coming. Literally, when the, like, when the fire of the throne went out, I guess you could say. Okay. You know, whenever there wasn't a dragon on the throne. All right. All right. I see you. And literally on the other continent. <laughs> the yeah. only Targaryens are on the other continent. So like or so it is believed. Um as we know there is one in Winterfell. Um oh, oh yes. I oh duh. Yeah, I I guess. <laughs> you were like, "What the fuck is he on about?" I was like, "Wait a minute. Who who huh?" I was like, "Hold yeah. on." Oh, okay. Okay. Hey god. But uh from beyond the wall, we're going to go ahead and jump all the way over to Pentos, uh, just to get us all acquainted with, you know, given House of the Dragon's conclusion, it felt only right to, uh, it felt so fucking cool to see both Viserys and Daenerys over here in Pentos across the Narrow Sea, um, under the hospitality of Illyrio, Magister Illyrio. Uh, I, I immediately saw them and was like, Already, just a completely new context within which to view these characters. Um, you know, I I always knew Viserys, they were uh, Viserys the Third. You know, it's just like that's just cool. That's like, cool shit. Is it? 
Rhaenyra's Viserys's kid? Is this no. Rhaenyra's no. grand? No, no, that'd be way. There need to be way more time. There'd be a couple. There'd be a couple generations. Oh, between yeah. Viserys's. Okay. Never mind. But so uh, I guess. But is it on that line of Viserys? Like, is that the Viserys line? Do you I think? do. I do believe. I do believe that uh, the Mad King ends up descending from Rhaenyra and Daemon. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm. And you know, I I don't read a lot of the ancillary material. I'm working my way through it alongside it, so it's kind of like so as to not spoil myself a whole bunch mm. as far as like House of the Dragon stuff. You know, I'm really avoiding fire and blood. Just because I don't, I I like watching it on TV. You know, I like watching it on TV. But uh, we shall see for sure. It'd be cool to see. But yeah, like seeing them with the platinum hair and stuff, and the like. Viserys is a Viserys is a Targaryen. You know who he reminds me like a lot of is fucking Aegon the second of his name. You're kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, uh, if he was just a little more put together. Sadly, like. If Aegon what put all of his dickishness and actually used it, like this would be Aegon. Yeah, I guess Aegon this is probably what, who what Aegon is becoming. Actually. Yeah, right, right. About the same age, you know. Viserys says later on in the episode that he's waited seventeen years for his throne. So, like, I think they're both about seventeen, which is uh, which is just interesting to see to see different Targaryens at roughly the same point in their life. But uh, Viserys has arranged. Uh, a wedding for his sister uh, to Cal Drogo, the warlord of the Dothraki, 40,000 warriors strong. In return, Drogo will give Viserys the army he needs to reclaim the Iron Throne. And, uh, just so cool that the Dothraki come up this early and then, like, come season eight, episode six, the finale of the show, Daenerys standing above everybody. The Dothraki going crazy below her at the base of the city, like this is full fucking circle, buddy. They're they're with her till the end of the line, like it's Cap and Bucky or some shit. But uh, uh, Viserys prepares Danny for this meeting, and he tells her that uh, she's become a beautiful young woman. Tells her to stand up, tr- stand up straight, show them what you have. Slips off her dress and fondles her breasts and uh as any brother Tar- targaryen you know, yeah yeah would do um at the you know great age of thir- wait no damon would have been older the age gap for damon and renair would have been more like than way here, bigger right yes yeah, like he'd be yeah, way bigger so that's even weirder but like man it's just never yeah, gets it- never gets old Never gets old. Um, Never gets old. Uh, the 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 Targaryens. This is a borderline tradition uh, at this point. But uh, yeah, what is interesting is that in in the reading of the book uh, alongside this and just seeing like the small differences, there are some liberties that are taken with the show as compared to the book. Uh, Danny says in the book that she never imagined herself getting married to anyone else besides Viserys. Because she was like, it's the tradition of our house. I'd always just assumed that's what was going to happen. Like, uh, this is the reason this is such a big surprise to her is because she always assumed she'd eventually be married to Viserys. Um, 
which uh, thankfully is not the way this worked out. Mm. No. She goes through it here, and I have a feeling it would have been worse under uh, <laughs> under Viserys. That's true. I mean, it. you know, I guess her, her marriage with Khal Drogo starts out definitely a little rocky. Oh, very, very, very shaky. Very bad. Um, not good whatsoever, but it does turn into a crowd some, for a king. Something quite good. So, um, I yeah. don't know. It, it is, it is very weird to see Danny like in this state, like, uh, knowing how just powerful and confident and, and everything she gets, like seeing her. Well, and just, it's interesting thinking about her inevitable, uh, descent into madness later on in the show and that's kind of another thing that i want to be thinking about throughout this show is how much she goes through and how if there is any normal person who goes through the shit that danny danny goes through they're gonna they're gonna lose their mind a little bit you know like uh to first not have parents basically be raised by your incestuous fuck of a brother um, who is willing to let you be raped by 40,000 horse lords and their horses if it means he'll get his throne, you're going through it pretty much your entire life, bouncing city to city, always on the run. Like, uh, they ain't, she ain't had the best life up to this point, and it doesn't start to get good for a while. Um... which is interesting. So it's through Robert's rebellion that ended the Targaryen reign, right? And allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I was wondering why, like for a second there, I was like, wait a minute. Like how did, uh, like Baratheon just claim the throne? I was like, hold on. I'm like, wait, how, how didn't Viserys just, you know, how, how wasn't everyone in the realm just like, wait a minute what's going on here i was like oh yeah i forgot there's a whole war a whole rebellion yeah. that that was fought so fair um forgot that little detail right um, right yeah no yeah whole and i would love the more they talked about it later on in this episode the more i was like oh i want to fucking see that bro um i would just love to see that but uh yeah after the the whole fondage uh, you know, she's silent and looks away as if it's not happening. She uh she then takes her takes her leave and steps into a scalding hot bath. Uh the maids nearby warn that it'll burn her and she seems to not notice and to not be harmed. And as we know, this this woman is the unburnt. She'll be just fine. Mm. I think it was kinda cool, like uh she was getting like angry. She was getting fired up and like Viserys was the one who was like, "You don't want to wake the dragon," but like, really, he's like, "Yeah, you really don't." Um, like it, it's it was almost like she was doing this to like cool off, and I know it's mm. you know to she's getting very hot, but like this is like a dragon's way of of being like, "I need to just chill out real quick. Yeah, let, right. me just, let me just let me, let me hop in my lava pit, scalding, yeah. pot, scalding yeah. pot of liquid." Uh, but yeah, now Danny's a baddie. And uh, I fucking I fucking love Amelia Clark in this role. I'm so excited to just relive all of this. Uh, 
I'm excited. I've never thought about episode by episode my favorite scenes from every episode. That's what I'm thinking. I I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. This one's no, tough. It, it, no, yeah, like it's it's borderline impossible. I was watching the episode last night. Like I have no fucking clue. So it'll be uh it'll be interesting. But later on in Pentos, Illyrio and Viserys discuss the quest to sail back to Westeros and. uh Viserys inquires when the wedding will take place, but uh, Danny's not so pleased with the arrangement. Says she has no interest in marrying Drogo, and uh, Viserys insists that Danny will marry him because, in return, Drogo will give him the army he needs to retake the throne from Robert. And uh, he adds that you know he would let his sister be be raped by all forty thousand of Drogo's men and their horses, if it meant he would take the throne back. And uh, not too long The sad thing is, is that he says it, like, proudly. And he says it, like, he says it thinking that Daenerys would respond to it, like, oh, wow, you're so dedicated. Like, that's how he's almost saying it, is like, wow, that's how dedicated you are? Instead of, like, you know, like... The natural <laughs> disgust that should come from a comment like, like that. Oh, <laughs> that's how dedicated you are. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, you disgusting fuck. <laughs> you shouldn't rule anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, a short time after this, Drogo arrives at Illyrio's estate, and after taking a glance at Danny on on the horse, the back of his horse, uh, Drogo rides away. Without dismounting his horse, um, I loved and obviously I love the legend building of Cal Drogo off the rip too. The uh, like uh, he's said to be the greatest warrior uh, in all of the Dothraki. You see their braid; they cut it when they lose as a sign of their defeat and their shame. He's got the longest braid; it's never been cut. He's never lost a fight. Uh, Cal Drogo is a badass, and Jason Momoa. Also, also very good in the role as as Cal Drogo. Um, and hey. uh, I don't know. That's that's one bad looking dude. Like, oh man, off rip does. I mean, he pulls up. He doesn't say a word. He mm-hmm. literally just sits there. And I am just like, I'm like, nah, like that. Well, and then this this next little comment, Danny had to have been like, excuse me, what? Uh, cause Viserys is like, uh, well, what, what's going on? Did he like her? And Illyrio's like, I assure you, if he did not, we would know. I would, I was like, wait a minute. Y'all were ready to just kill Daenerys if it, if, if, if that, if it came to that? Like, what the fuck? I think whoever the, I don't know, who was their kind of, I don't even know what to call him. Yeah. Um, he, I think he was the only one to know that knew. Like all the Dothraki tradition and and everything like that, I don't think they knew whatsoever. Um, like, what a way to agree to a marriage, you know? Like, it, it, if this is how the Dothraki do it, they literally just stare at the woman for a little bit, and if they're like, "Yeah, okay," then they ride off. Then they're like, "All right, see you later. I'll be They'll back be eventually." Yeah, we'll 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 set up the wedding. I'll be back eventually. And then, but but if not, it's just like, all right, I'll just kill you. Well, like, what's funny is they do everything on their own time. Yeah, like, Illyrio's like Viserys is like, when are they gonna ride to, ride across the narrow sea with me? And he's like, whenever they fucking want to, man. You 
you wanted this. This is what you get when you're fucking with the Dothraki, okay? Um, and that's what's awesome is Viserys has no means or ability to control the Dothraki, but later on, Daenerys has the means to lead them. And it's like, uh, oh, that's just just a great little contradiction mm. between the characters. Um, but to later on, it's time for the uh, the Dothraki wedding. Celebration is held. Uh, many die. Uh, the first the first wedding in the first episode of Game of Thrones and mm. Game of Thrones weddings notoriously bloody affairs. This was one of the first comments that made me think uh, a Dothraki wedding is is considered a dull affair without at least three deaths. Well, a Game of Thrones wedding is a dull affair without at least three deaths. <laughs> um, yeah, three is like that's light. Yeah, like comparably Almost. to a lot of the weddings we see. I mean, I think that averaging it out, it would probably average to be more than three. Well, I guess the green wedding's only one. The so red that, wedding's like twenty-five. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a good that's a good amount, and some wolves too. Mm. That sucks. Um, this wedding, at least three. Much to well, think about. We'll have is, to we'll have to keep the body on another count. wedding. Um, there, there are some weddings later on. Sansa gets married to, uh, uh, Geoffrey? No, to oh. Ramsay. Oh. Later, way later yeah. on. Um, <laughs> Tyrion and Sansa get married. Damn. Um, she really goes through it. Yeah, she really does. But, uh, nevertheless, at this wedding, uh, they, they receive many a gift. But for Danny, two are of the utmost importance. First, she receives a selection of books containing stories and songs from the Seven Kingdoms presented to her by Sir Jorah Mormont of Bear Island. Um, I fucking love Jorah. You know, I, uh, he'll be a dude that, uh, I ride, I ride for my mans. I ride for Jorah Mormont. Yes, he's done yeah. some fuck shit in the past, but, uh, that stuff's behind him. You know, and his, uh, his admiration for Daenerys, you know, it's a little creepy, but, uh... Yeah, that is a child, and yeah, he's it's, simping it's, so... He's, is he the I biggest simp in the show? Yeah, oh, like, far and away. Um, but I don't think he truly starts simping for her until he watches her walk into the fire at the end of the season. I mean, who wouldn't, uh, though? After no, that? yeah, that's the thing. Like, you watch a woman walk into a burning pyre and come out with three dragons, I don't know, I'm gonna follow you to the end of my life, bro. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of how it's going to go for me. It, was he the one who was sitting on the, the dragon eggs? Like they came from, did they come from him or was that no, from they came else? from Illyrio. They came from the guy that was oh, housing okay. them. Okay. Um, I, oh, okay. That makes more sense. Um, but, uh, cause I was yeah, going to say, ima like imagine just sitting on these three dragon eggs and just looking at him like, wow, what a, what a cool thing, but pretty used, you know, like pretty useless, like just hunk of just Rock. stone basically and then like oh actually th there are dragons now in our world um yeah that's super fucking cool but jorah here in this moment goes i served your father and i always hope to serve the true king looking at viserys and viserys like watching on the whole time like yeah that's what i thought homie yeah that's right um it is funny that Viserys is just such a bitch. 
and he never appears anything less or yeah. anything more. He this always looks sucks. like a bitch. Yeah, Man. he's a, he's a top tier terrible dude in this show. Yeah, tier list for Viserys is so far. Um, he's absolutely bottom. Mm, yeah, um, there's yeah, there's no question. Top tier Viserys <laughs> first, second tier Viserys the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh tier Viserys the third. Yeah, we um, don't really know what the second's been doing. We we know he met Viserys the first. That's about it. Yeah, he's um, a baby, and, and, and that baby it. is better than this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, not difficult, not a high bar to be better than this Viserys, Viserys the third, but. The the second gift comes from Illyrio. It is a box containing three beautiful scaly stones. They are described to her as dragon la- dragon eggs from the shadowlands of Ashai. And they have turned to stone with the passing of time. Now this is a little Ashai? Ashai. Ashai. Is that Shadowlands of Ashai? Where's that? It's a, city, it's a city in Essos, uh, on the eastern shore of the Jade Sea. It's beyond the Free Cities, beyond the Dothraki Sea. It's uh, it's closer to like Karth, if you remember Karth later on, the city she goes to and she runs the, into the. Is that yeah. the wealthy, wealthy city? Yeah, the wealthy, the wealthy people <laughs> who are like, yeah, we don't let anybody in. And the guy's like, flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, I invoke the fucking thing. I cut hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so excited yeah. to get to all that. But uh, yeah, no, like it's it's out that way. And the only reason I know that is because I clicked on it over here on this fandom article. Um, I didn't just know all that about a shy <laughs> off the top of my head. I was going to say that that would be kind of insane uh, no, if yeah, you did. I don't, I don't that know that nuts. much about a shy, but uh. Danny very quickly is taken by the eggs. She she picks them up. She stares at them longingly. We got. I like that the stones kind of match the color that the dragons become later on. It appears she picks up the green one, which is uh, Rhaegal, uh, becomes John's dragon later on in the show, um, which is very very cool. Um, you... but yeah, uh, she's very very taken with them. Uh, and for his gift, Drogo just rises from his seat, walks away, and Danny's like, "Oh, okay, yep, I'm following." I guess and, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone, everyone surrounds and is like, "Yeah, get in there." And uh, Drogo gifts her a beautiful white horse with blonde hair, and it's like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's kind of sweet," you know, like. <laughs> That's a cute present, not gonna it's lie. Nice. It's kinda nice. Yeah, uh, okay, Carl. It's uh, it's in this moment that Viserys tells his sister to make Drogo happy. And Drogo and Daenerys ride down to the shore, and uh, we get the whole... Eesh. She starts crying. No. Brushes away the tear. Do you speak the common tongue? No. Yeah, uh, is no the only word that you know no No. (laughs) oh yeah this is uh this is the first time along this rewatch that i truly have beef with the change from the books 
Okay. She's this interaction starts with her being a little bit upset, mostly because it's just not what she pictured for her life. She didn't imagine she would marry the horse lord of the Dothraki. But as the scene goes on, she is much more down with the advancements Drogo makes in the book. Um, the culmination of all this no, 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 is she moves him somewhere and goes, yes. Um, so for the first time, I think we see a glimpse of how this show is going to decide to treat women. Um, and knowing that that was, knowing that that was the show's mm. choice, I thought was interesting, especially given that I know next episode, she like reclaims her sexuality and like reclaims her, her power over Drogo by flipping the script on him. But I do feel like we didn't need her to, you know, get raped for that to happen. Um, hmm. Yeah, it, hmm, that is interesting. Because it's like, they're obviously just trying to show her innocence and her um, complete, you know, just she's been thrown into this. Uh, this oh, is yeah. like the last thing. And that's just what they're trying to show. And I think... Maybe I'm trying to think of any reason they do like did it to make the moment where she does flip the script on Drogo. Maybe it makes that more powerful because like I say mean, she does it here as well. And then she just does it again. I, well, I mean, say she yeah, does it here it almost it almost. And the other thing is that like the way that mm -hmm. she goes about reclaiming it later on. She learns from one of the maidens how to yeah, do Yeah, you're right. And yeah, I don't know, I, and I haven't read, the, I haven't done that part of the book yet. I don't know if that's part of the book. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that is a part of the book, because if it's not, then I'm pretty sure I know exactly why they did that. Yeah. Um, which, uh, which will be, uh, which we shall see. But uh, yeah, this was the first time I was kind of like, ah, man. I, I was listening to the book and I was like, oh, oh no, hmm. that kind of. It kind of sucks. Um, Game of Thrones not uh, not shying away from the 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 general torturing of of the ladies. They uh, they they tend to they tend to get into that. Mm. Um, but that would conclude the story in Pentos and with Daenerys Targaryen for the uh, for the episode. Um. Just a great character introduction to Daenerys, you know, and uh, knowing the rise she sees. It's really cool to see her kind of be a, a pawn in other people's game in the first episode, kind of mirroring what Jon is to everybody at Winterfell. Like, yeah, we'll send him out, send him out to the Night's Watch. Fuck it. Send her off to the Dothraki. Fuck it. Um, is there anyone else who deserves the performance more than Amelia Clark here? I, I think so. Okay. I have a, I have a performance that I would, uh, well, here's the thing. Amelia Clark's performance in this is phenomenal. Um, and she had to, she, she had the most emotional, like she had yeah, to show the had, most emotion. Yeah. She definitely had to show the fear, the sadness, the rage earlier on. Um, she definitely has, she definitely provides a good range in this, uh, in this episode. But there are a few there are a few performances in this episode that are damn good, and I'm gonna hold off until we get past them to really make a final decision there. But 
I'm going to preemptively put in Amelia Clark for my. Ah, you're, you're, I think I'm pretty confident in it. But all right, well that it, helps me because I like I like having different ones. Like if uh, you know, sometimes there's one that's just so obviously the right choice. But uh, you know, if you're going Amelia Clark, I'm confident that I might be able to go with someone else a little bit more in good faith. Um, but after this, we're going to King's Landing. The capital of the Seven Kingdoms, where the bells ring out to commemorate the death of Lord John Aaron, the Hand of the King. And as uh, they're preparing his body for burial with the stones over the eyes and such, Queen Cersei Lannister watches over. And she is uh, she's very worried that something uh, something was discovered by John, something that sh- that he shouldn't have known, that he may have told someone. Uh, she confides all of this in her twin brother, Sir Jamie Lannister. Uh, but he tells her, you know, don't fucking worry. The king knew the truth. We'd already be fucking dead. And it's it's interesting, like, remembering the first time I watched this, this is a clueless conversation. I have no idea what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, shit. What'd they do? What's the intrigue? Did they kill this man? What's uh, What's going on? Uh, it's a lot more than that. Um, and she tells him, uh, that he should be the new hand of the king. Uh, and he's like, no, no, their hours are too long and their lives are too short. Look at this motherfucker. He's dead on a slab. You think I want that? Uh, fair. Y'all will probably both end up dying younger than John Aaron anyway. (laughs) Very Uh, much younger. Yeah. Uh, Cersei's like, you take nothing seriously, you prick. Um, and that's all that happens in King's Landing in the first episode. We don't get we don't get shit else in King's Landing, so it's uh, nice and nice and quick there. Uh, the rest of the season, obviously, will take us to King's Landing a great deal more. Mm-hmm. But let's head to Winterfell, where. Oh, yeah. uh, sometime after the prologue, Will has fled south of the Wall in terror. And rather than return to Castle Black uh, to warn everybody <laughs> that there are White Walkers out there, he goes, I'm going to fucking run uh, where he is chased down by a loyalist of the House of House Stark. And uh, he's taken to Lord Eddard. And all the while, Ned, little Lord Ned, is up at Winterfell with his wife and family. And uh, the shot of Ned and Catelyn watching on as uh, Bran is practicing archery with Rob and John helping him out. Man. It's just like, god damn. Fuck Man. It. The first two Starks that you see on screen is Bran and John. Hmm. Like, it's just pretty, the only two remaining. You know, like, near, well, I mean, I guess you got Arya. Um, and Sansa. of the boys. But like of of I don't know, it was just it was just cool. Of Rob, Rickon, like yeah, they of yeah. the brothers. Um it's I just, guess John's a cousin. Like and certain lines they say and then they cut to the person they're referring to in which if you're watching this for the first time you have no idea that the reference is even being made, you know, sort of situation mm. again. Um yeah. Like there was a lot of those uh, at Winterfell with with John and Bran, um, and I don't know. I just I, I 
I love those like moments in shows, and especially seeing like uh, how young, like how much the actors oh, and actresses man. change over time with yeah. the show. Like Bran is one of the biggest. Uh, because he like legitimately goes through puberty like during the show. Yeah, like he um, changes like crazy. Well, that's what's crazy is uh, Macy Williams, Arya Stark, also grows up quite quite oh, yeah. a great deal. Um, but her her like literal facial structure doesn't change as much as uh as Brands does. Uh, and oh, I can't remember Brand the actor for Brand's name. Let me get it up for us real quick. Uh, Isaac Hempstead no Wright. There he is. Yes. Isaac oh, I guess Sansa. Wright. Sansa. Yeah. Sophie Turner definitely. Sophie Turner definitely lot, grows dude. up. And it's funny seeing Sansa just because, like, uh, Sophie Turner is like probably, probably the most famous of all of of all of these uh, Stark children. I think Sophie Turner is at least uh, pop culturally. You know, I yeah. think that if you're a generally there are probably a great deal of kids my little brother's age like griffin's age who know her as like joe jonas's wife um mm. which is which is just kind of nuts i forget uh, that I forget yeah that. she's married to one of the jonas brothers and <laughs> has she has like two or three kids now which is fucking nuts what um, yeah like we like watching these kids grow up and knowing shit like that is fucking crazy Whoa. Um, that's weird. Yeah, weird as fuck. But uh, nevertheless, Robin John can't help laughing when Bran loses an arrow and it goes far and far away from the target, and uh, far far worse than his last shot. And mm. they all they all chuckle, and Ned's like, "Aha! Wait a minute. Which one of you was a mox minute ten? Keep at it, Bran." And I was like, "I love you, dog." Ned is just I fucking yeah. love you, dog. I mean, I I was trying to think of any character uh, that I could put that was not Ned. That he was the the only other performance that I was thinking that could, uh, like, yeah, he's he's one of three that oh, okay. I'm, I'm debating. Uh, Sean Bean as Ned Stark is fucking brilliant, and I I can't confidently give the character to anyone else. It has to be Ned Stark. Uh. It was oh, just such a great, great character introduction. Uh, you immediately get a sense for who this man is. And immediately, even the first time I was watching this, I was like, this man, there's no way this guy cheated on his wife. Huh. Like, I just don't believe that. Mm -mm. Um, the one who gives the sentence has to swing the sword. He's so, uh, the dude is just an honorable man. The honorablest. The honorable list, but uh, who's more honorable, Ned Stark or Jorah Mormont? Nah, it's Ned Stark. It's Ned Stark. Ned Stark's the one who exiles Jorah Mormont for selling people. So, like, it's got it's got to be Ned Stark. I mean, okay, yeah. fair enough. There, touche, yeah. touche. Um, yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll hold yeah. off on putting Ned on the character. Then I'll see. If I, I, I got. I got to put Ned. I got to put Ned. I can't. I can't make it any other choice. But uh, the the youngest son, Rickon, watches on, and like the little flash to Rickon, you know, he's barely in the show ever. And like, I was like, oh, this little fucking kid, he's gonna die. The only um, yeah, there's only one image in my head of <laughs> yeah, you that yeah, just, just that's. 
Fucking just, serpentine, homie. Run back and forth. I mean, um, it is right before one of the most badass moments in the show's history. So yeah, that's oh, I cannot uh, wait to get there, bro. The show is so fucking epic. But uh, yeah, another interesting thing is that compared to the books, they boosted everybody's age by three years. Rob and John were fourteen; they're seventeen here. Rickon was three in the books; he's six here. Bran was seven; he's ten. In the show, Sansa was 10, she's 13, Arya was 8, and she's 11. So they, they went ahead and ran those numbers up a little bit. But uh, uh, Ned and Catelyn's youngest daughter, Arya, uh, is left to needlework with uh, with Sansa. And uh, she's like, uh, you know what, fuck this. I'm getting the fuck out of here. She goes ahead, runs away. And while we watch Bran practicing archery, an arrow flies right past him and straight into the bullseye. Uh, and there, when they turn around, is Arya. And it gives, flashes a smile on Ned's face. Rob and John laugh a little bit. And uh, Bran chases her down and it's just like, ah, fuck. And only if, only if Sansa was there, that would have been like the last family moment they had. Right. Like, they don't. It happens like ten minutes into the episode, bro. Like, I guess maybe Arya flicking the food onto Sansa's face might be the last family moment they have together. Right, right. Everyone, everyone's there. I'd say at that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Well, no, John. I guess John would be the only one outside swinging. But even that's kind of fitting of the dynamic that they've all all developed. It's it's even, oh, fuck. No. Yeah, well, uh, all the fun is kind of quelled when Ned receives nudes, nudes, news (laughs) that uh, a Night's Watch deserter has been found. (laughs) Nudes. Uh, And, you know, the law decrees here that a deserter from the Watch shall be executed. And Catelyn's like, do you have to? And he's like, the law is the law, my lady. He took an oath. What am I to do? What's the fucking word of law? Yeah. That's, Justice that's, is blind. That's Ned's blood. Somehow, honor pumps his heart. If he commits an act that is not honorable, he will die. Um, <laughs> he will that's his, die. That is his oath. Is hey, he, man, he's he, taking he, an oath to honor? What's sad is that his dedication to honor is what ultimately does kill him. Mm. Um, I mean, and shit. And I mean, he knew shit. it too. He says, "I belong here in the north. My wife belong here in the north." He knew but, it, but nevertheless, Ned's like, "Come on, tell Brandy's coming with." And uh, Catelyn's like, bro, he's 10. Don't make him see that shit. And he was like, man, he's 10. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> come he's on 10. now. It's time. Come on, Ned. Yeah, he's 10. He's got to see like, this shit. He's got to know what damn. it's about. Uh, okay. It's, uh, it's being a stark custom for the songs to, among the songs to uh, carry out executions themselves. So, uh, along with Ed. Ned is uh, Theon, uh, the master at arms, Roderick, who meets a terrible demise at the hands of Theon later on. 
mm-hmm. and uh, his leading guard, Jory Cassell. And Will accepts his fate here, but tells Ned that he saw White Walkers, and he asks that word be sent back to his mother, that he's not a coward, that there was reason. And Ned carries out the execution himself using his Valyrian blade, Ice. Ooh. I, Ned Odd of the House Stock, in the name of Robert Baratheon, first of his name, King of the Andals and the First Men, and like, oh. And he brings the sword up. Young Bran witnesses this execution, and John tells him, keep your eyes on it. He'll know if you look away. And young Bran witnesses the execution, doesn't flinch, and earns praise from his brother John. He's like, good job. And uh, Ned explains to Bran afterwards, you know, do you do you know why I had to do that? And Bran's like, our, our way is the old way. Uh, and he's like, well, well yeah, but uh, no, 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 no. Do you know why I was the one who did it? And uh, like, no. Well, the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. He's like, well, and I don't know if this was said in this, but in the books, Bran makes the point like, well, King Robert has a, like a, a swordsman, like a a guy who does the head cutting. And he's like, yeah, but I do that shit here. This is the North. We we move different. Yeah, gangster uh, shit. <laughs> uh, they, 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 do, they do their own I was know, thinking about you know. it it's like can you imagine just how like differently you might look at your dad if like you like watched him cut dudes heads off like that was just a thing that happens yeah no that, that'd be a big switch up that's yeah, for sure that'd be, that'd be that... quite the be quite <laughs> the experience um, but uh, Bran asks his father about Will and why he was talking about White Walkers. Do you really see White Walkers? And Ned dismisses it as a, as the ramblings of a madman, insisting that uh, the Walkers have been gone for centuries. And they set out for Winterfell. And along the way back to the castle, the, the party finds a uh, a dead dead deer in the road, uh, disemboweled. And Theon wonders if it's the work of a mountain lion, and Ned's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> None of those are uh, none of those exist here, um, and they they look around looking for what must have done it end, and they find a rare dead direwolf, killed with a stag antler broken off in her throat, and uh, the female the, she died after giving birth. Her, her little pups huddled by the corpse for warmth, and uh, Ned Ned's like, oh, better a quick death, and Theon's like, fuck yeah, baby, got my knife, let's do this shit. Um, I'm I'm a fucking sicko. I'm ready to kill some puppies. Uh, that's weird. In the way yeah, and the way Rob was like, put your fucking blade away. What the hell is wrong with you? And he's like, I listen to your fucking dad, man, not you. Um, <laughs> and uh John's like, Well, hold hold on. Hold on. There are five pups. The dire wolf is the symbol of House Stark. You have five trueborn children. One for each of them. They were meant to find these wolves. They were meant to have them. And I like that in the book they go into like the reason Ned goes with this is because John doesn't include himself. Yeah, like, like it's so sad that he like he starts by saying, "Well, well, Lord Stark, yeah, actually, you know, there Lord are five, Stark. you know, like, yeah, he's like yeah. has to refer to him like that, and, like, mm-hmm. 
And I, father. Ah, oh, man. Like, knowing how important he is, you know? Knowing he is literally, like, the person in the universe. And he, you know, like, fuck, dude. It's mm. just... It's so sad. But it just makes well, it so much better. Is, like, right now, he technically has a better claim than Viserys. Yeah. Because he is the oldest son's son. Rhaegar was Viserys's older brother. Damn. And Viserys Viserys's dad was the um, Mad King. Yeah. And then he, that's some descendant of Rhaenyra and Daemon. Yeah, I somehow. Mentioned. Um okay. That's just sick. Yeah. yeah. Crazy crazy line that we've got there, but uh nevertheless, uh ultimately John convinces Ned that this is uh that this is the right thing to do, and with Bran looking on, Ned agrees. But only if they care and raise the pups themselves. Even if one should die, the owner will be the one to bury it. Yeah. And it, the way he said it too. He's just so badass. He was like You'll feed them on your own. You'll raise them on your own. Classic dad die. Yeah, classic yeah, dad. Like, He'll end up caring for these dogs more than they do. You know, like oh, classic, yeah. classic father, <laughs> classic father moves. Being like, I don't want a fucking dog. Then you get a dog, and they're like, "What's up, buddy?" Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. like uh, uh, every time. But uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Those how, little... how you gonna not? How you gonna? Yeah. Not? It well, would have been really cool is if that stag that like killed the direwolf with one of its antlers was a white stag as well oh um, to like yeah. like it like with the hunt like Rhaenyra and stuff yeah. um that would have been, cool. been sick but um, cool little parallel but uh, i guess the direwolf itself is pretty that's pretty epic yeah of it. so maybe that's direwolf the focus. south of the wall a rarity yeah. a rarity yeah. indeed but uh after this, they're about to head out, and John finds a sixth pup. An albino runt of the litter, completely white fur, red of eye. And Theon's like, <laughs> that's you, John, that's yours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's hilarious. This this one ends up growing up to be bigger and badder and alive more than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Costing more in CGI dollars than dragons, somehow. <laughs> Well, is that is know. that is that the case, or is it just that like they had to put so much money into the dragons that they couldn't also allocate the resources to the direwolves? Maybe that's it. I think it. I think it. It might not be that the direwolves are more expensive. It's just um, that like they couldn't come at the cost of downgrading. They couldn't just the have dragons. both. Yeah, yeah, both could not happen at the same time. I guess. Um, I get that. I get but that's that. kind of I don't know. I mean. It, that is the thing. A dragon is you're looking at it from far away most of the time, where the detail doesn't have to be individual hairs, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess like it. Is, I mean, it is legitimately. I guess it could be legitimately harder, and actually cost more for the wolf. I don't. I don't know where I heard that though. Um, so I could just be pulling that out of left field, but. Nah, that's uh, there was a. A lot of that, a lot of discourse around it throughout the run of Game of Thrones about how, like, you know, the dire wolves show up less and less over the years. They just continually stop showing up. And, like, sometimes a wolf will show up and you'll be like, I forgot that one was alive. You know, yeah. like, uh, yep. So many things die throughout this shit that I don't know. I just completely forgot. But after this, we find uh, what 
what is my favorite shot of the episode happens here, um, where a raven bearing news of John Aaron's death arrives, but mm. Ned's sitting out in the God's wood, cleaning his blade, sharpening it. Woo! Uh, see their reflections in the water I was like oh that shit was pretty and just knowing that also this is the spot this is where this is that's where it happens happens, dude that's where it goes down damn like that's that's crazy but uh yeah it's it, it was just a really pretty shot I even took note of like exactly the time table it was it I said my favorite shot begins at 21 minutes, 40 seconds, ends at 21 minutes, 46 seconds. It's just Catelyn's approach to Ned along along the pond at the Godswood. Just very, very pretty. But, uh, you know, she, she talks to him for a second, and then she's like, I'm so sorry, Ned. And he's like, t- tell me, what, what is it? And he, she explains that John Aaron has, has died. Uh, a fever took him in the night. And uh, he is particularly stricken, as Aaron was something of a father figure to him whenever he was uh, fostered at the Erie. And she she tells him that King Robert Baratheon and much of the royal court rides for Winterfell. And Ned's like, fuck, (laughs) I don't want it. I never wanted it. The king riding this far north can only mean one. He's only after one thing. Yeah, you can like you can always say no, Ned. He's like, I don't fucking know that I can. <laughs> uh, ponders some refusal, and uh, he's like, I, I belong here in the north. I belong in the north. God, that's a he's a north man through and through. You know, he's the blood of the first men runs through his veins. Damn, that's. But uh. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool too because uh, knowing just how long some of these journeys take and stuff, like we we're jumping time in this episode. They don't specify or anything, but there's 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 leaps and bounds made because next up we're probably a few weeks later, and the Stark children uh, are are growing used to their their dire wolves. Rob's named his Grey Wind. Sansa calls hers Lady, pretty much the most, the second most uninspired name I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Lady. I was like, Sansa, come on now. He's corny motherfucker. Couldn't, I mean, Arya came through with the fucking hammer. Nymeria? Fuck. Yeah, that, that goes hard. That's, that's nuts. Nymeria goes hard. That's yeah. That's fucking baller. And John ultimately named his ghost for his white color and uncanny silence. They go into his like ability to not make noise a lot more in the books. Like he ghost just, is sick. He be he be quiet as fuck. I love ghost. That's that's that might be my favorite character of the episode. No, <laughs> I fucking love ghost. You know what? I'm putting it down. Final answer. <laughs> Final ghost. answer. Yeah. Lock it in. Uh, uh, Bran calls his summer. And Rickon, with the worst name for a dire wolf ever, Shaggy Dog. What um, the fuck? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Wow. The wolf's name is Shaggy Dog. He is six. I'll grant him that. Um, I mean, okay. That's still pretty shitty for six. Not going to lie. I'm see, sorry. it made more sense in the book when he named his dog Shaggy Dog and he was three. 
Yeah, that makes sense there. Six, you coming up with something better than Shaggy Dog. Even just Shaggy. Just drop the dog. Yeah, drop the dog. Just, I mean, that is one of the coolest names ever. Uh, just in the most general, powerful entity in all of the multiverse. Shaggy. So, um, pretty oh. fitting name for a direwolf, actually. Um, you know, for sure. But uh, in one of the uh, one of the just most heartwarming and heartbreaking simultaneous scenes, uh, Bran watches as the royal party approaches up top on the castle, and he starts climbing around, climbing down. I was like, ah, man, this little fucking guy, this little fucking guy. Why'd you have to like climbing so much, you know? Yeah, man, come on now. But uh, he promises to stop when his, when he arrives down at the ground and uh, his mom's like, you got to fucking promise me to stop climbing everywhere, okay? And he looks down and he's like, I promise. And she's like, you always look at your fucking feet before you lie. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. Forgot um, what I saw. Where it's th- like that's the one of the through lines that I was talking about. I forgot what it what happens, but Bran tells like a very important detail to John or somebody, and he looks down at his feet before he does. Like oh. for one of like the details or something like that, and people are like like going like insane. I don't know. Like it was caught like after um the season eight finale i feel like it wasn't caught like whenever it was out it was like after everything was already said and done and everyone was like after everything was reframed um i forgot what the detail was but man i, I, I it's we'll it, it's a while though yeah i think it's a it's gonna be a while but um yeah that'll, that'll be a that'll keep be your fun. eyes on on brand's eyes i guess yeah, i'm looking down at his yeah. feet i suppose i'll uh, i'll keep that in mind yeah you know you don't you don't put that in there without any purpose so um we shall we shall see. So, uh, but Winterfell prepares for the guests. Catelyn wants to make sure that Tyrion, a great reader, has enough candles and enough, you know, alcohol, as he can uh, he can put away some liquor. Uh, it's uh, it's Tyrion's thing. But uh, and then uh, we also see the young men of the house getting uh, getting cleaned up. Their shave, uh, just a little bit of something for the female gaze here. Or, or or the male gaze, whatever you're into, um, with John and Rob and Theon all shirtless, just like yeah, let's get shaved together, men. This is an this is incredible activity we've got going on. Let's bond. Uh, the the way that he's got like the long ass hair, and uh, they're like, all right, be careful with him, be gentle. There's never been a lady he's liked more than his hair. Um, John's got a beautiful head of hair. Did not deserve yeah. to be cut. What's up? So Rob, he's like kind of finished getting shaved, and the the barber like is just feeling his face like <laughs> super sensually, like he's done, and he's literally just like just feeling his face, like and I I don't I mean, know why I've never know, like if you know it before. Spots, I guess I guess yeah I know that I guess that, that's the the conclusion I came to, but I'm like man he was he was really just like just really like. Right, oh, no. really feeling that shit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're they're gossiping about the queen and stuff. A reportedly amazingly beautiful woman. And uh, after this, all of Winterfell gathers in the courtyard as the royal party approaches. And Arya is late because she's she's trying to get a better glimpse of everybody. She puts on a little knight's helmet and climbs up on a wagon to see them approaching. 
And it's cool because later on in season eight, we do see a small child in the season eight premiere doing like the very same thing, running around, trying to find a better look and climbing up on a wagon to see Daenerys and Jon's approach as a royal party. Um, which was just just so fucking cool to think about that later mm. on they returned to Winterfell in a triumphant like we're pretty much the king and queen now. Um, God, this it's crazy, like where this story goes, and it's mm. insane. Like I, uh, I really wanted to to see how well the world building aspect of this was. Cause that's, that's what a lot of critics say is like the thing that game of Thrones has done better than any other show ever. And this, this is the best season of world building of all time. And like, it's really true. Like, there are so many different storylines that are happening at once, but there's never any sign of confusion. Really. You're never like, like confused as to really what's going mm-hmm. on. And you have no idea who any of these characters are, but it you're was still so genius to begin it where, and this is a classic storytelling device to start it in a place where we're all together. Like every character who's going to be like truly important in the season is all in the same place at the same time, pretty much except for Daenerys, who's got her whole, her whole other storyline going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's utilized in a lot of different movies. I think back to like the fucking Godfather, the fucking, uh, oh, wedding, yeah. the, the wedding at the beginning you got every major character in the godfather is there you know like they're they're all there they're all it's a great chance to introduce everybody and get to know everybody it's a classic storytelling device to have some sort of event where everyone can meet up very early on and uh just to have everybody branch off from here is genius but uh all the while uh aria is late to the party you know noise the shit out of Sansa by being uh, a little bit loud. She's like, shut the fuck up! Uh, and then uh, King Robert rides in with his knights while Queen Cersei is in a large wheelhouse and Ned presents his household to King Robert. They he, they kneel before him. Robert stands there. He does the little finger motion to end. And uh, they rise and he presents everybody but not after uh, you know he goes, you've gotten fat. And then Ned, like, the look Ned gives him where he, like, looks him <laughs> up and down and is like. He was this like. Is first, this is the first moment where I went, I might just go Sean Bean for that choice alone for Ned yeah. Stark is my favorite performance. Because uh, uh, the way he looks at him up and down, like, dead ass. <laughs> it, it, all in that moment, it was like, really, you're saying that to me. Also, I'm scared to say this out loud because you're the king and like I'm an honorable man and I know I can't talk bad about the king you know so yeah. he's like I don't, it was all in that and, little like all in that little look up and down like you get all of that it's crazy yeah. and then um, immediately after that the way that Robert like bursts out laughing and stuff it was in that moment after that where my third player came into play for potential favorite performance I love Mark Addy as Robert Baratheon. I think, uh, oh. and, and like just uh, through the next few episodes that he's involved in, he does I, have my favorite line. I think he's uh, playing, he's playing a up. caricature a little bit, but he does it so fucking well. Like, uh, he's playing the, the stereotypical King 
Like, mm. I don't give a fuck about the realm. I'm here for the money, the wine, the women, the food, the, the that, you know, that's all he's there for. Um, and, you know, I can't really get behind that, but when I'm watching the show, um, so, yeah. Yeah, a, a character like that, no, I gotta love it. I think, like, I the it. line, I, I'm jumping ahead a, a little bit, but I'll, I, I have not, I don't think there is a better line in the episode whenever he, or you know what? No, I will wait because I want the exact quote, and I think uh, it will be said because um, it's down in the crypt whenever he's talking to Ned. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But uh, so, but no, yeah. I I see why you like his performance, though. Oh, dude, he's fucking. I think he's fucking brilliant in this role. But uh, Ned presents his household to him. You know, Robert meets a lot of the kids for the first time. He's like, "You must be Rob. You're Sansa." What a beautiful, what a beautiful lady you've grown into. Uh, and what's your name? Aya. Dope. All right. Show me your muscles, Bran. Uh, and he, he, he pumps it out. He's like, "You'll be a great soldier." Uh, no, he won't. He will take your job. Um, he actually uh can't move his legs in a couple <laughs> of uh. I mean, days? next episode. Yeah. Hours. I don't. That day. Is it that night? I think it's the next day. Yeah, it is. It's the feast happens and then yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. have yeah. the happy time. And they go on and the hunt. And, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, after this, after all the the uh, formalities, Rob's like, I'd like to go to the crypts and pay my respect. And, uh, you know, uh, Cersei's like, we just arrived. We've been riding for months. Can't the dead we, uh, can wait. Yeah, the dead can wait. And, uh, He's like, nope, they can't. I resent you, and I love her, so bye. Uh, and the way that, like, again, just small, small choices, the way Sean Bean and Lena Headey exchange glances here as Ned and Cersei, just, he looks at her, and she looks at him, and he's like, like, shit, sorry. Um, they head on, They head on down there. But uh, after they depart, Cersei sends Jaime to find their brother Tyrion, the uh, the imp who everyone is so ready to see. Arya all the while. Where's the imp? Where's the imp? Uh, and he's uh he's managed to find his way to a brothel as Tyrion is wont to do here in the early seasons. And the uh, in the town outside Winterfell, and uh, it's where he's enjoying the uh, the attentions of Roz, who becomes quite the quite the character. I really, really enjoy Roz. Um, she sees one of the more brutal demises of anybody in the show, um, which is uh, she's the she one go? who gets she's the one who gets loaded with arrows by Joffrey. Ooh, yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, yeah. That I'm doesn't... I'm fairly certain. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's her. I, I I might I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's her after she's let a little bit too much information go regarding Littlefinger, and Littlefinger sends her to Joffrey, and Joffrey does her end. Uh, so just a an interesting introduction, you know. She's like, uh, Tyrion hasn't told her that he's Tyrion, and she's like, uh. Oh, you know, I hear that the imps come into town. Like <laughs> he's like, I hear he hates that name, and he's like, Oh, you're a you're a clever girl. The gods gave me one blessing. I got this big old dick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like <laughs> I hear the imps coming to town. Oh yeah, I just so happen to be a wealthy imp that is um, 
in town at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that has gold Nothing hair. more there. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't really but, have uh, much of a disguise. Can't. can't nah, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty. Especially later on, once he gets that scar, it's like, oh yeah, you're fucked. You're done. This is you're the most recognizable man in the realm now. Um, but uh, right as they're about to do the act, Jamie bursts in, and Tyrion's like, so, uh, I take it you don't know the meaning of a closed door in a whorehouse. And he's like, ah, I do, my friend, but, uh, we've got shit to do. I need you at the feast tonight. You can't leave me hanging out to dry with these, with these northerners. They're fucking weird. Uh, and he, he's like, uh, Jamie tells Tyrion, a man of limited height, but with immense appetites, he'll be needed, and, uh, He's like, uh, Cersei, Cersei's asking for, for us to be there. Uh, and, uh, Tyrion's little, she has odd appetites, our sister. Mm. And Jamie goes, a family trait. Um, <laughs> just, uh, a little too knowing, uh, if you ask me. But, I mean, uh, T- Tyrion fully knows, right? I'm thinking, I think he's like pretty, like fairly certain. Like he's never, they've never talked about it, but he's like, I'm pretty sure they, they're in love. Um, it's gotta be a weird position to be in as the, the third sibling in which two siblings are, are in love with. (laughs) Uh, Uh, God, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be, gotta be quite the position that Tyrion's in, but, uh. In the meantime, Tyrion's like, well, I got, I had plans tonight, man. I got a whole lineup cooking, bro. And Jamie's like, I had a feeling you'd say that. Get on in here, ladies. And just greets each of these women by slapping them on their ass. And they all storm Tyrion, giggles about. And uh, Jamie sees his way out. Tyrion, close the door. Mm. Uh, yeah, this... It- this is even a very tame episode of Game of Thrones, and it already solidified my thinking in, oh yeah, Game of Thrones is way more brutal than House of the Dragon. Like, oh yeah. House of the Dragon had some brutal stuff in it, that's for sure. Some of the most like hard-to-watch scenes ever. I'm not really talking about, about that, but just like the brutality and just the nudity, the, the just Ooh, absolute, been... yeah, just whatever the fuck they want it on screen, they put it on there. Um, Game of Thrones, just they don't give a fuck. They don't give a single shit. No fuck. Whatsoever. They would rather focus on the fucked up shit than anything else. Like, if there is intestines, it's a close-up shot instead of, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Or like, yeah, it's like, it's like no, we will show you this instead yeah. of cut away. And and have it's your intense. imagination. Yeah. It's intense. Uh yeah. Like whenever the, the Dothraki is disemboweled at the Dothraki oh. wedding and you're like, boom, right there. Check that shit out. It's like, okay. Cool. Um, the blood spurt from the head getting cut off by Ned, like I really go at it. But this is, uh, yeah, this is very tame. Very tame for Game of Thrones. True um, enough. Uh but in the crypt, this is where Robert is offering up prayers at the tomb of Lyanna Stark, uh, whom Robert was betrothed to before she was allegedly kidnapped by Prince Rhaegar Targaryen. And Lyanna died shortly after she was found. He tells he tells Ned that uh, 
In his dreams, he kills Rhaegar every night anew. And Ned reminds him that the house Targaryen was destroyed. But Robert replies, not all of them. And uh, it is here that... Is he so pissed at Rhaegar that he is like, every Targaryen must die? Like, is that, is that like... I think it's part of it. Uh, but I also think that uh, they usurped the throne from the Mad King. The Mad King has two children left who are a threat to his reign. Fair. I think it's not That's only the better he's like, fuck the, fuck the Targaryens for, for what Rhaegar did. I think it was fuck the Targaryens and then Rhaegar did what he did. And it was like, oh, now it's Uh-oh. really, really fun. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Fair. My question is, um, does he have any reason... Is Ned the one who told him that Rhaegar did this? Wouldn't it have... Rhaegar did not kidnap and rape Lyanna. Rhaegar married Lyanna and had a true-born child. Ned probably was forced to come up with a story about why he has a bastard, why Lyanna died, and everything to protect... Aegon Targaryen. You're right. No, so yeah, all he... the while that this conversation is happening, Ned's got to be like, "Oh man, yeah, like you wouldn't uh, believe got... it, buddy." Yeah, like, and again, this line: "The House Targaryen was destroyed. Not all of them. There's one here now." Like, uh, and Ned, that Ned's got to be thinking that, you know, like, uh, I'm housing one. Does he, does Ned just know it as um, Rhaegar and and his sister's son? Or, like, does he know it as, like, the prince that is promised? Like, he, like, he, did Lyanna, like, whisper that to him? Like, she whispered, like, yeah, Aegon, like, call him, like, Aegon. But, like, did he, did she whisper, like, the importance of him? And, like, did he know that? Or is it just, like, uh, this is my sister's kid I'm going to protect I think no. it's just that. I think I think it's the fact that it was his sister's kid. It was. I think he's well aware that it's Rhaegar's son. So um, there's no. He doesn't know the philo or the philosophy, the uh, prophecy. There's the word. No. Yeah. No. I don't think he knows the prophecy. Okay. Um, I don't know. No. Nah, yeah. Because I don't Where, think it was. Uh, is win- winter is coming? That's just an like a forever Stark line. Yeah, right, that's, that's not our, like a that's, new that's thing. That's their house words. That's okay. like that's just it's always been winter is coming for House Stark. Um which is it's always been funny to me. Like what do they say when winter comes? Winter's here. Winter Summer is coming. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, it, the it, second it, it snows with the seasons. Yeah, the second it snows now summer is coming. <laughs> that's that's how yeah, that's winter, how it works. Winter is blooming. No, but uh Robert here formally offers Ned the role of Hand of the King, and Ned kneels before him. Sir, I'm not worthy of the honor. He's like, ah, get the fuck out, my old friend. I don't want to I, I, I just want you to rule my realm. I'm not trying to honor you. What's I'm the line to, right I'm here? To eat Drink and whore my way to an early grave, homie. Mm. I want you to rule my kingdoms. Maybe it wasn't here. 
something along the lines of I just wanted to oh it's whenever he was reminiscing on his younger days and he was like I just wanted to crack skulls and and fuck whores maybe was that it was that the line or was this the one I just want you to run my realm maybe maybe that's the one I'm maybe that's the line I was actually looking for oh yeah he says I'm trying to eat drink and whore my way to an early grave I'm not trying to he goes I'm not trying to honor you I want you to run my kingdoms I'm trying to eat drink and whore my way to an early grave uh and earlier on he's like ah i remember those days i just wanted to crack skulls and fuck girls <laughs> and because of his accent it like kind of rhymes it's kind of a bar <laughs> yeah oh man you, huh i don't know that you're i i didn't think about him for the performance slot but like man mark uh-huh. addy fucking kills it bro he's a he's an underrated role across across this show but uh uh, to to put a cherry on top of this offer's hand, he's like, "We'll finally bind our houses too. It was going to be me and Liana, but now I have a son. You have a daughter. We'll bind them in marriage, Joffrey and Sansa." And he's like, oh, uh, uh, "And then Robert just walks away. He's like, it's done." And he's like, "Oh wow, okay." That's uh, like I am going to run this the kingdom. I'm going to basically be king, and then my, my daughter, daughter will become queen. Yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, but, it's like. Uh, it's after this that a great feast is held, and Cersei and Catelyn exchange some cordial words. And uh, this is where my uh, my favorite scene begins. Hmm. Feast. Just uh, okay. everything yeah. happens here. Um, Cersei and Catelyn exchange some words, and Cersei seems more impressed by Sansa, thinking that she'll be a great, a great addition to the court. But uh, outside, Jon's working on his sword practice. Angry that Catelyn thought it would be inappropriate that a bastard should attend. This is when his uncle Benjen arrives, first ranger of the Night's Watch, to join the feast. And John asks him, "You know, take me back to the Wall, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to roll with you." And Benjen's like, "Dude, you don't want this." He's like, "You, we don't father children, we don't marry women." And he's like, "I don't care about any of that." He's like, "Bro, you fuck one time and you will care." Um, <laughs> yeah, if if you knew what it meant, you you might care. And I don't one know, it's kind of, that that line though. Yeah, you it's know, one of those. Like, if you knew lines. what it meant, yeah. If yeah. you knew what you having a kid would mean, you know. Um, well, also, if you knew what it meant, if you knew what joining the Night's Watch was for you, you will die at the hands yeah. of the Night's Watch. You know, like uh. You're you're too important to die though, so don't yeah. worry about it. You yeah. you, you got. Like, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. Is there and is there anybody that Ned would have shared this information with? And if it was, would it? It probably would have been Benjamin. Uh, if not your best friend and Robert, right? You so can't like he, tell. he definitely couldn't. I yeah, that'd be the probably the only person. That you I don't could. think he did, but like if there was anybody, it probably would have been him. Uh, but uh, no, he's right. an honorable man. Mm. He has, to, even though he has to lie, he's lying for his sister. Mm. So like yeah. he it's takes honor in lie. that. Like yeah, so it's I, yeah. 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 I don't think he's told anybody. No, I don't think he does. I don't think he has either. But uh, Benjamin ultimately agrees to consider and. Uh, it's here that Tyrion arrives and talks to John. 
uh, he's like suggesting that he's a bit too pricklish and quick to take offense. You know, uh, he's like, uh, so you're the imp, the, the, the queen's brother. And he's like, uh, my greatest achievement. And you're, uh, you're the, the warden of the North's bastard, huh? And John's like, Pahrumph! walk away, throw sword at body. Um, and, uh, he's like, ha oh, I did not mean offense. My good, my good, sir. Uh, he should take the insult and wear it like armor so that no one can hurt him with it. And John's like, well, what the fuck do you know about being a bastard? And Tyrion hits him back with the classic line. All dwarfs are bastards in their father's eyes. And, uh, it's it, like at this feast, man, after Benjen talks to John, he heads in. And that's truly when my favorite scene starts. Benjamin talks to Ned for a second about Will and what happened beyond the wall. And we don't, I don't know that we get another interaction between Ned and his brother. I think this might be it. Um, we get Catelyn and Cersei, Sansa mm. approaching the table and being like, uh, my queen. And she's like, have you bled yet? And like that whole thing, Jamie and Ned meet up and Jamie's like, uh, J- Jamie's like, oh, I can't wait to see you at the tourneys. We're going to celebrate your ascension. And he's like, I don't fight at tourneys, bruh. Mm. When I fight, I don't want people to know what I'm capable of. And I was like, that's my favorite line. That's my favorite line. I was like, oh, this man's a badass. I just know it. Uh, what is it? When I fight, I don't want... I don't want people I don't, to know what I'm capable of. Or what I when can I, do. Is it I don't fight at tourneys? Is that the first line? Does he say tourneys? I feel yeah, like he says tournaments. tournaments. Yeah, oh, I don't fight. I don't fight in tournaments because when I fight a man for real, I don't want him to know what I can do. That's the exact quote. There we go. Fucking love that. Absolutely, that love is that. hard. Um, yeah, you, you. Dang. I guess I'll I'll keep the the Robert line in there, even though it's that's definitely way better um <laughs> like that's way harder um but uh for my favorite scene i actually went with uh robert's arrival to winterfell oh that's because um, you kind of get uh aria and her like uh her cute little tropes you know of her wanting to be you know so her with the helmet and her running mm-hmm. coming up and being a little late and Ned like what the what are you wearing you know or whatever yeah um I'm like I, I love the feast because it so perfectly just captures everyone's mm. dynamic. You know, everyone inside the feast has their own little interaction that presents just how opposite they are. Jamie and Ned, Cersei and Catelyn, uh, King Robert's just out there blatantly hooking up with a woman. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, this. And then all the while, outside, uh, John and Tyrion, stewards of their families, are are discussing with each other and it's like god this is just it's just a perfect perfect little encapsulation of what this whole show is but uh yeah the Tyrion stuff with john uh since you got ned for the character and ned is probably the the you know the the obvious one here i'm i'm just gonna throw in Tyrion uh yeah for this episode you know i mean he, he starts out what an introduction for a thrones character starting out fucking um, right away, uh, drinking wine and orgasming. Literally, actually, it, it he climaxes while chugging wine. 
that's a character introduction right there, buddy. That's ultimately what Tyrion Lannister is in the first seasons of Game <laughs> of Thrones. Yeah, pretty pretty much. You boil them down, there you go. All encapsulating, but uh, hereafter, Ned and Catelyn receive a letter in the night delivered uh, by Maester Lewin from a messenger from the Eyrie. And I love that, like, Ned and Catelyn are, like, so comfortable together. Like, the way that they're, like, laying there and they, like, they're, like, come in. And he just, like, comes in and they're just, like, we ain't going to fucking move for you, bro. We had a big day. Um, That's a loving couple right there. Oh, I fucking fucking love them. And, like, uh, I wish she knew. I wish she knew. I know, man. Her hate for for John is so, like. hate for John. it, It makes sense. You know? Like, it's not. It is kind of her fault. Like. The hatred, like you, sh- she shouldn't really hate. You Fuck know, no, she John. shouldn't. That's one thing I'll never forgive Catelyn for. Uh, it is not his fault he was born. You know, if you're gonna resent anyone, resent Ned. Like, yeah, it's just I guess that it, John is the walking reminder, you know, of it. 100%. So it's like one hundred percent. But you know who is also a walking reminder Ned. that her husband yeah. cheated. Her Ned. husband. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, like, no, I don't yeah. know. It, it, And that's the thing. I do, I do get it. I do get like the, Man, why the didn't he just tell he her? Was, I guess he, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't tell her. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he, just, he simply couldn't. So like, it's, he, he sacrificed his honor to preserve John. And I just, I've, I've always thought that's just, well, another... okay. Yeah. Fair. I guess, because at the current state, like, the reason to protect him is because he's just a very valued, like, obviously, he's the he has the strongest claim to the throne, so people would either try to kill him or want, blah, 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 all the implications of that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, well, no. Yeah, I guess even with Daenerys and Viserys alive, it still doesn't matter. Like, no. there's no one alive that could come close to him. Okay, yeah, never mind. Yeah, no, it's, um, this is it. But uh, the letter that they've received is from Catelyn's sister, Lady Lysa Aaron, the widow of John Aaron. And in the letter, Lysa says that John Aaron was murdered by the Lannisters and that they planned to conspire against King Robert. She's like, fucking A, throw this in the fire. Uh, that Maester's then, a real one, though. He was oh, there just kind of like to hear it, and he was like, well. Dude, and the shot where Ned is centered, they've got the devil and the angel on the shoulders. Yes, dude. Like, blurred oh, out. They never, they, never, they never focus in on Catelyn and Lewin. It's it's like almost like these are the thoughts that are hitting Ned, where Catelyn's like, you have to stay here. If they, they just murdered him, what do you think they'll do to you? And and Lewin's like, that's all the more reason. They trust the king trusts him like he's got to go down there he's got to help any way he can and uh she's like your your father and brother were invited down there you know like they were they were invited down there by a king and they they met their demise and lewin goes a different king a different time uh Mm. and ultimately while he would prefer to stay in winterfell he has to accept the offer and head south he feels it is his duty. Um, God damn it, Ned. God damn it. But uh, have the gods created a man that hasn't 
what's the line? You know, even even God, Ned. The gods have never created a man who doesn't have the patience for power. Even Ned, you know, like I don't know that that offer is just kind of too good. To you are turn the second down. most powerful man in the realm. Basically, the first, like really, essentially, like, essentially, like with he, he, Ned would be the king. Mm. Like that's you don't you don't like and and it's like well, your friend too. It's like hey, you come know, rule the kingdom homie. with me. Yeah, come rule the kingdom with me. Yeah, you'll that's do all the hard work and buddy. and I'll be having all the fun. But like I'm the king, so like I, I get that. Man. You know, like it makes sense. But yeah, can't can't really turn that down. No, no, you can't. I can't blame him. I can't blame him for accepting. You know, but uh, the next morning, Ned and Robert are going hunting, leaving the castle largely empty. And and this in this brand decides <laughs> nobody's here. It's time to climb. Uh. And Ned and Bran exchange one last look because Ned's gone by the time Bran wakes up. But uh, before before they take off, Ned looks at Bran, gives him a little nod and a smile, and Bran nods and smiles back. And they head off, and it's like, ah, see, like, that's why rewatches are enriching because, like, I didn't notice that the first time I watched this. You know, I didn't, like, it was just like, oh, yeah, say bye to his son. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. now it's like, that's it's the like, last oh, time Ned sees his son awake. Is that the last time Bran sees him? Ever? Yes, like that's the last ever, time Bran yeah. ever sees his dad. Yeah, ever. Because Arya see like Arya and Sansa go south. They actually see him die. Um. Well, Sansa does. Arya is. Arya's in the crowd, isn't? Oh, you're right. Yeah. She actually. Okay, fair. She gets protected. She knows. I guess she. She knows it happened, though. She, she can was, hear the. She yeah. Um, but ah, oh, dang, yeah. Uh, this like it's such a crazy like crazy how the show is already so good without all of these, all the knowledge of all these little connected things, but like with it, it just enhances it even more. It just gets better. Um, like, oh, dude. Dude. But, uh, yeah, so Bran decides to go climbing, and he decides to climb the broken tower, and he hears some some strange sounds coming from above. Hmm, someone it's must like, need help. Someone yeah, let me, like... let me check out what's going on up here. He uh, peers through the window and finds, uh, finds a man, Jamie Lannister, having sex with a woman. He's like, oh. Okay, wow, that's crazy. I've never seen sex before. Dope. Um, and then the woman flips her hair up, and it is his sister. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? And uh, Cersei tells Jamie to stop. He goes and grabs Bran. Jamie looks out the window to make sure nobody else is watching, and he asks, how old are you? Bran goes, 10. He's like, huh. Man, he looks back at Cersei and she goes he saw us he's like you could tell for like half a second he thought about it for like half a second he was like god really shouldn't do that well the things I do for love shoves Bran out the window he sends himself a tumbling and we end the first episode of Game of Thrones winter is coming boom um 
I don't know. I remember the first time I watched this. I it's always I never expect a TV show or movie to kill a kid. Um, and I know Bran doesn't die here, but it is it's still a brutal it, act. It is implied that like, oh, this is a ten year old kid. He's probably dead. Like this yeah. this kid is is probably dead. And like, um, it's just I don't know. It, I remember being like. Even though this is, like, such a small shock factor, like, such a small shock in the grand scheme of Game of Thrones, like, Bram being pushed out, but I remember how shocked I was, like, when I watched this for the yeah. first time. Like, I, I was like, like oh, and it's like a, a kid I met an hour ago, literally, yeah. you know? Like, uh, I don't know, it's just such a good, what, like, a premiere that introduced so many characters and actually got you to like it got somewhat be interested in knowing like them yeah like um man have you uh decided on a performance yet between your three i think i got i think i gotta go sean bean as Ned Stark, I don't think I can confidently go either way, either other way you know I think Amelia Clark also provides a great deal of range but uh the the character we come to know in this episode of television is just so true to what he remains through this first season. Like he encapsulated that character perfectly. And for the long, the run that we have Ned Stark in the show, he is this guy, you know? Uh, and he's, he's presented fucking brilliantly. I think there's only one guy that could have played him. And, you know, I don't know that I can confidently say that mm -hmm. for Robert Baratheon. I, and I, can probably also confidently say nobody else could have played Daenerys Targaryen besides Amelia Clark. But since you already got her, I'm gonna go ahead and go Sean Bean as mm. as Ned Stark. Um, I fucking, yeah, I fucking got, love that performance. I think we got some good. Uh, the representation here is pretty pretty spread out because I got I got Robert's uh, arrival to Winterfell um, and a Robert line. Um, so we got we got some Robert uh, recognition here and Ned. Ned's getting his fair share. You got the character, the performance, and the line for you. Um, I mean, I just, it's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Ned Stark. Capitulates this whole fucking thing, you know? Like, how am I not? And and the feast for your scene, yeah. I mean, and we got we got a Lannister, so we got a Lannister, a Targaryen, a Stark, and a Baratheon. Wow, we got yeah, we got we got everyone. Um, Look at that. All the Look major that, families, man. at least, pretty much. Um, I was thinking about like maybe uh. Uh, Jorah Mormont as like a character, but I'm like that's too He's early. Got a lot better it's, episodes. It's for the yeah, it's for the implication that yeah. I would like put him. Yeah. So like uh, for the episode, Tyrion uh, is is what I will go with. I Tyrion's think. fucking brilliant. I think um, that if I had to go yeah. with like a second place, I probably would go Tyrion. Uh, yeah, because the conversation he actually has with John, uh, like wear it like armor, you know, and then it can't affect you. And then um, I don't know, like it's, it's he actually has team. some good line and just the the thronesiness of of his character well um, i'm not gonna lie to you i'm also thinking a little bit forward because uh next episode the interactions between john and Tyrion are fucking amazing so i'm kind of holding off on picking them for shit until next week mm. um but uh yeah man it was such a great fucking place to start the 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 game of thrones rewatch winter is blooming Ooh, um, i might put call drogo for the character because because literally it's like a Darth Maul. 
It is like instantaneously, you know that that dude means business. Like they did not even have to say the whole ponytail, you know, the, the hair being long. Like they did not have to say any of that. To know that that dude is badass. See, and, I'm thinking, I'm like, thinking forward to other other Cal Drogo shit. stuff too, and I'm thinking I still might, I like, I can't, I can't not pick Ned for the first episode of Game of Thrones. I know, I'm trying, I'm trying, I really want to make sure that Tyrion is my pick here uh, before I move on, because it's not John yet, it's not Rob yet, no, it's not Arya or Sansa. You made the right choice. It's not Jamie, not Cersei. Not the only other one that I think could give him a run is Bran. Yeah, um, I think Bran. I think Bran's a fun character in this episode. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm good. I'm good with Tyrion. All right, I'm, cool. I've, I'm rest rest assured. Rest easy, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it is time for a rating. We got enjoyment, genre, and critical rating. Um, let's start with enjoyment out of 10. Can this, can this be any lower than, than a 10? Do you think? No, no, I'm, this is interesting is like, uh, like there's not anything truly crazy that's happening on screen at all. It's just conversation. But I am so intrigued. Like that—that's the crazy thing about it is that what, like what is interesting too is this is one of our first ratings as a rewatch um, for episodes of television. We don't do a lot of rewatching for TV show ratings. You know, it's usually brand new, first time we're watching it. I think I can confidently <laughs> say that this getting a ten is probably because I know where all these characters go, and I know, and I think that's important. You know, like we should rate it as though it's a rewatch, like, like we are rewatching okay, it. So like, I, I do think that because I see all these characters in the same place at the same time, it just makes me happy to see all them together. Um, the events are so classic. Now I, I remember pretty much that I remember this story pretty much beat by beat in the first episode, just because it's so classic and such a amazing start to an amazing series. So, uh, I think I got to go 10 out of 10 enjoyment. You know, I think that in the coming episodes in season one, We'll probably find ourselves dipping a little bit below that, uh, just because, uh, you know, I think of like my favorite episodes of Game of Thrones ever. And, you know, what I consider 10 out of 10 episodes, I, I truly don't know if there is another one in, in this in this season. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. We shall see. But uh, mm. 10 out of 10 enjoyment. I think I got to go here. Uh, genre. Yeah. Fantasy wise. Fantasy Game of Thrones. Pretty damn strong. Pretty damn strong. I guess fantasy wise, we get White Walkers to start. Um, mm-hmm. We get some dragon eggs. I guess it's cool little lore there. Yeah, we get the um, Dothraki, a whole other people who are just sick and twisted. Direwolf. Um, a direwolf. We get the the king visiting a new hand of the king. Uh, like uh, I think it's I think it's pretty good, but I do think we reach higher heights fantasy wise. Yeah. Um. I'm thinking eight out of ten. Uh, yeah, I was right around an eight too. I was like seven too low, nine too high. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm kind of eight is where I was where I was chilling. Okay. Um, Critically, 
How are we feeling about this? I'm pretty high on it. You know, I think that uh, it's incredibly well acted, very well written. I do think it's finding its style. Uh, I don't think the show, this episode looks exactly the same as the show looks later on. It kind of uh, still finding its footing, you know. Um, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty damn high on it, though, uh, because it was such an emphatic premiere. The introduction to these characters, the ending is so strong. Uh, it's such a great launching off point for the story. You know, I think they picked the exact right time to to introduce us to these characters. You know, um, so I'm trying to think compared to like just a normal show. Like I'm thinking of Andor in the season premiere. Like how many characters were introduced in that episode? Like is it is it really? I guess that's the difference, is that maybe the number of characters introduced isn't different, but at least the number of major characters who have actual huge storylines throughout the entire show is bigger here. Like, every character we see on screen is... I mean, wow. Yeah, the, like, literally the only characters that we see on screen that aren't huge are, like, Rickon... Uh, the Macer. Like, that's kind of it, bro. Like, everyone's got a big role to play at some point. Like, it's... Damn. It's fucking nuts. And uh, I think they did such a great job of introducing us to every character, letting us get to know them very succinctly and quickly. Like, uh, we don't spend a lot of time with Sansa, but I know exactly who she is after this first episode, you know? Same with Arya. And, like... uh you know, we spend the most time of the kids with Bran, which I think is cool. Uh, Bran, John, and uh, I mean, even Rob. We don't spend that much time with Rob, and we know who Rob is. Um, it's uh, it's it's really cool. I think they did such a great job of setting up these characters. Um, I again don't find myself like this is not this is not a perfect episode of television. Uh, it's a great episode of television. Find myself probably around an eight and a half. Ish. Wow, that's where I was thinking in my mind. I was like, it could. I'd say eight would be the floor. Um, because I was trying to th- I, like the story, like for a pilot episode. Fucking brilliant. Uh, like it, it is. It is nuts that like we got this much story and like actually like intriguing story at that. I guess I do know these characters and I do know all of this you know where they go and stuff like that that does right. add to it but i mean um i don't know i guess when i watched this for the first time i wasn't confused like i wasn't confused no. i didn't know everyone's name that was the hardest part about the show at no, the there's beginning just so many characters yeah. that you, you meet but now like having everyone's name be kind of second like i pretty much know everyone's name in this episode for sure maybe not the maester Le- lewin maybe lewin. Yep, okay right. so there i go the there's one guy the beard guy that has it tied together yeah um, sir roderick there i go yeah th- there's a character i wouldn't know the name of uh off off second hand but it is interesting like as a i guess critically the rewatch doesn't really matter here though right this is like critically yeah, this- should be taken like in a vacuum just how it is and I think eight and a half is fair. Um, All right. 
What's that? Uh, what's Averages that round it out there? an 88.3 or 8.83. Um, so around an 88. Wow. Uh, IMDb gives it an 8.9 out of 10. All right, so um, we were a little bit, a little bit harsher. That doesn't that. happen often. No, um, and I think that's something that I'm gonna, I'm trying to rein in our, you know, because I think in our ten point scale we've fallen into the same thing we did with the five point scale, where we are now rating everything in the nines, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know, eighty five is still fucking great. You know what I'm saying? So like, uh, I'm trying to trying to rein that in a little bit and i think an 88 percent for this episode of television so i guess as this tell like critically made only one episode of house of the dragon is worse and it's episode two critically and honestly though critically house of drag like house of the dragon is better made than this episode Oh like, yeah, I, I think that is actually fair. Like, it's, it's not like we're episode. starting to be more harsh now. I think like the House of the Dragon critic, like critic scores, actually kind of like it, it does. I mean, they do belong up in the nines. Like, yeah, actually, like it's it's crazy. They do a they do a but, crazy job with that. And like the gripe I have with this episode is that Game of Thrones hasn't found its style yet. House of the Dragons, the first spinoff series where they've had eight seasons of honing in that style and can finally do it in the most grandiose way they've ever done. So like, uh, I think those are fair. I think it's absolutely fair, but, uh, yeah. So that brings it to an 88% on the old Penny Bloom, uh, rating scale, which is a damn good episode of television. Uh, any parting thoughts before Hmm. we, yeah, well, I was about to be like, well, any predictions you want to make? And it's like, (laughs) uh, well, can't really do that with that one. All right. Well, I'm predicting that John's a Targaryen. Bran's going to end up on the throne. Daenerys is going to lose her shit one day. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a character named the Night King at some point. Arya's going to kill him. That's a pretty good prediction that you made just there. I'm going to, there was one character that was on screen for a little bit. He didn't even have a line. I'm going to predict his name is Hodor and his name actually randomly comes from a traumatic experience of him trying to hold the door closed in the future. Um, I, randomly for some reason that just came to me. Yeah. You got hold the door, hold the door, hold the door, hold Hodor. I got, I get you. I see where that's coming from. Yeah. Okay. That's bold, but I like it. Um, all right. Well, then I guess that that concludes the first episode of Winter is Blooming. We will be back for episode two next week, and we'll be back every every Monday after that for Winter is Blooming. Uh, if you would head to patreon.com slash bloom where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including book and comic book reviews some movie reviews, a bunch of shit over there. Please go check that out for the small price of three bucks a month. You can help out the podcast like crazy cost me money and i don't make any off of it unless it's over there at patreon.com slash corobloom c-o-r-o-b-l-o-o-m uh if you would head to twitter follow at penny bloom pod follow on instagram at penny bloom podcast if you're fucking with me and joe we are currently covering andor on wednesdays for the next few weeks the andor after party continues uh we got 9 10 11 and 12 left only four weeks um of andor left catch up with that catch up with us Listen to the Andor After Party. We also got the 52-year journey through film going on. Last Friday was The Wolf of Wall Street for 2013. This Friday is 2014. And uh, 2014 is a classic and interstellar 
That's what we're covering this Friday. So go ahead and check that out. Um, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. So it was a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. Remember, peace, love, and bloom. And when I fight a man for real, I don't want him to know what I can do.